Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the podcast edition. We are very excited to have on the phone with us tonight the boys from Begravement, Ezra, Matt, and Owen. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for Hi, having us. Yeah, very happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn a lot more about the band. Uh, and before we get too far into it, maybe you can each introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you do in the band. All right, my name is Ezra Blumenfeld. I am the sort of rhythm guitarist and lead vocalist. My name is Owen Hyber. I do, do some lead guitars and I do some drum tracks. My name's Matt Tremper, and I'm the bassist for the band, but I also lay down some backup growls and some clean vocals. Welcome to the show, guys. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine a little bit and talk about how, how long you've been together and how you got started. It sort of started online, I guess. Um, I had been trying to start bands with people locally. I had met online for a long time, and this was sort of just like the last one of maybe five of that type. Um, but I had just met Owen in person at a recital because we were taking guitar lessons at the same place. And so of all those bands I had sort of fake started online, this was the first one where I had like actually met someone and connected with them and we agreed to practice together. Uh, John Weefel, he also kind of brought me and Ezra together as well. He's uh, just like very talented St. Paul area guitarist out there. He gives lessons a little bit. So. And, and yeah. you guys started uh, with the name Operation Ob Obliteration, and not <laughs> too long after you started, you changed your name to Begravement, which is your, the name of the band now. What, what, was the, what led to the, the name change? When we started, we had four members, like, from the get-go. One of them never even made it to the first practice. We kind of kicked him out because he didn't seem to have the same vision as us, and he lived too far away to reliably get himself to practice. And he was actually the one that came up with the name Operation Obliteration. And the three of us that were left sort of decided we didn't find that the name fit with us, and it also kind of felt weird to be using uh, a name that had been come up with by someone we had sort of kicked out. And I was, um, I was learning Norwegian in school as an independent thing. And the word for funeral in Norwegian is begravelse, which literally translates to begravement. As like, that's a very cool way of thinking of a funeral. That would yeah. be a great band name. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And and how did each of you, you talked a little bit about the recitals and, you know, the guitar lessons you, you and Owen were taking. Ezra, how, how did each of you get your start in music? Owen, oh, you want to take that one first? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I actually started playing guitar in 2011, so I've been playing for about eight years now. Um, I don't know, I just heard Metallica, or Master of Puppets. <laughs> <Had to play. laughs> I've been playing a lot shorter than the rest of them. I've only been playing for like four years. Like I started in 2016 and uh, my dad was a musician out at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. So I actually didn't start in metal and I didn't get into metal up until like seventh grade. It was Metallica and all that thrash stuff. And uh, 
be honest, I didn't even play death metal before joining the Graveman. It's mainly my dad that is the reason that I'm playing bass right now. So was uh, was the mandolin uh, your first instrument? Um, my first instrument was actually the boron, which is like a drum that you hit with a stick. Nice. But I quickly switched to bass, and uh, I've been playing that ever since. I do also play uh, mandola, which is like a uh, mandolin, just a little lower. And then, as as for me, uh, I don't really have the like sort of guitar hero story that I find a lot of other guitarists have. Like I, there was never a song I heard that made me want to pick up guitar. I actually knew a kid who was a few years older than me. And when I was about seven, I saw him playing electric guitar. I don't even know if it was that good, what he was playing, but it blew me away. And I started asking for a guitar for Christmas and my birthday. And I finally got one, but it was a nylon string acoustic. And I was like, this isn't any fun. (laughs) So it was almost two years after I officially started taking lessons that I really got into it. And that was actually when I heard Nirvana. And then the next summer, I heard Metallica. I had a Metallica phase that lasted almost a full year where they were the only band I listened to. And then I started branching out more into metal. And I'm now taking lessons from Jack Mansk, the same guy Owen takes them from. And uh, Jack has got a lot of gigs around town, uh, but he plays in Morticia as one of one of his gigs. Uh, yeah. gr- a great, you know, classic goth band uh, from the Twin Cities who actually played played on the show a year and a half ago, I guess it was. Uh, I'm curious to know um, now that you know. So the two of you, Owen and Ezra, that that initially uh, were the foundation, but you've got Matt in full time now. And I'm curious to know how it feels to have uh, that cohesive connection now with with three of you guys. Matt's the best bass I've ever met, so that's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm humbled. We've been looking. We had been looking for a bassist and still a drummer for so long that I had. I was convinced we were never going to find anyone like as dedicated to it as. Owen and I are, um, but Matt showed up to his first practice and he had learned our song To the Grave in only two days, like completely by ear. Wow. And I was just, and he had like written his own bass parts and I was just like totally blown away. I didn't even think that anyone that was only 16 years old existed that was at that level of both musicianship and professionalism. You're still, as you mentioned, looking for a a full-time drummer. Um, Have you been auditioning anybody seriously? We did have one practice where uh, Jake Schultz, he's the lead guitarist in Agony Reigns, Mm -hmm. he came and drummed for us, um, and he said he would be willing to play on some recordings and do some shows, but eventually it didn't really work out. He was just too busy. So that's the closest we've had to like a real audition for someone who is seriously interested in being a part of it. So what are some of the key things that you're looking for, uh, not just in a drummer, but you know, what's, what are sort of the chemistry things you're looking for as far as a bandmate is concerned? For me, it's like the ability to have like self-control like in the rehearsal space and just not like noodling on your instrument, just like 
just if someone's talking like over a song, you just gotta like pay attention to what's what they're saying and just I don't know, just try not to noodle and like that's just one of the biggest things for me. But also having like some higher like um music theory knowledge that helps a lot, honestly. So <laughs> yeah. I would say what Owen said, but there's a few other things like they should not require too much help from us other than at the beginning to like help them figure out how to be a part of the band without us having to tell you to was sort mm-hmm. of like the key thing that we've always been looking for. I feel like. Yeah. yeah I couldn't have said any better. Yeah. It sounds really like that, up as well. that, that mutual respect and willingness to, to, sort of commit, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. As, uh, as you all think about your, the band and, and the music that you're creating, what, what's your long-term vision for what you want to do together? It was very funny. Facebook reminded me a few weeks ago because we just passed like the two-year anniversary of when I sort of, we sort of brought all four original members together. I had said that I was looking for a guitarist and drummer for a progressive death slash thrash band. So, and to some extent, that's kind of still what I want us to be. I want us to be central, like centered around death metal, but not afraid to like ex- experiment with other metal subgenres or other genres of music entirely. Yeah. Like whatever the next step is in terms of experimentation from like up from Opeth, that's kind of something I want to find out. It's it's yeah. interesting, you know, you mentioned the the subgenres of of metal and there is a lot of you know, people there, there. A lot of people in in the metal space are can be really rigid about the classifications and the subgenres of metal. And and you know, as you described yourselves, you know, progressive death and thrash. Um, certainly, there's crossover in styles and you know musicality within those those genres. But I'm curious to know how how do you blend those pieces together, and what does it mean to you to have those elements in your music? Uh, Well, I would say it's not something that I can do as intentionally. There was, um, there's a song that's going to be on our upcoming EP, and it had, um, Owen and I had mostly written it and recorded a very rough version around the same time we recorded the two songs for our demo, but when Matt joined, I decided... I was going to go back and I was going to add a bunch to the song and I added this big like minute long chunk and I sent it I sent a rough recording to the other two guys and Matt said huh I could put a clean vocal track over this one part and we did and it sounds almost like this like a blend between like power metal and like gothic doom metal and I think Hmm. it fits very well just without really having meant for that to be what it was. Yeah, it's got, like, a very theatrical vibe to it. It's just... Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's like... 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's like haunted house metal. Oh, and the other thing would be, I've been the one that's been producing the EP for the most part, and I've experimented a lot with adding, like, some, although it's mostly fake, like, unconventional instrumentation over parts. So we've used theremins and organs, and at one point, even though it's in our, like, most intense song, I actually put a hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> Not exactly what you think of when you think of old-school death metal, but it works. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. With, with all of those uh, unique elements in the music, is, is there one thing that you would say is a signature of a begravement music? Fast and technical. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. The first two songs I wrote for the band, which are the two that are on the demo, um, when I was teaching them to Owen, it took him up to 20 minutes to learn each riff. And that was sort of what I was going for. I had heard about Owen, and I'd watched videos of him playing, and I was like, wow, he's way better than me. (laughs) And I'd also (laughs) heard some rumors that he... You know, if he wasn't happy in a band or he didn't feel like he was being challenged enough, he would leave. So I was like, I need Owen to stay in this band. I'm going to write really hard songs so that he has fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's... True story. That kind of piggybacks off of what I was going to say. It seems like every new song I write or Ezra writes or Owen writes, we're just trying to make it harder for the other person. It's like, the, oh, yeah. but can you play this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. So it's like a death metal version of horse, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I gotta, I gotta believe that that keeps it interesting too, as you're as you're creating new music, and it keeps the keeps the vibe in the in the the rehearsal room pretty pretty vibrant. Yeah, oh, and exactly. the other thing I would say sort of stands out to me. I don't know, like if Matt or Owen have noticed this, but a lot of the newer death metal bands I hear, they're sort of drawing their main influence from, like, obituary and autopsy and this very low-tempo sort of crawling, I think they call it, like, caveman death metal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the, the bands, the old bands that I hear where I say, that's what I want to sound like, are the faster ones, like Death, Morbid Angel, oh, yeah. Immolation, mm-hmm. Dismember, and Entombed, mm-hmm. and Vader. I love Vader. The speed is certainly a, a core element to all of them. Uh, are there some other things that those bands bring you as far as influences? Um, the technicality, to some extent, comes from those bands, but yes, Owen? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, we play in D standard a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, a lot, uh, yeah. I see a lot of newer bands in the death metal scene and in other subgenres, like, tuning down super low. Uh, we just tune it down a whole step, which is what de- uh, death did for their whole career, and that's mm-hmm. kind of why we do it. As far as things that I really latch on to, um, I remember, like, a few months ago, like, right, like, in, like, the first month of me being in Begravement, Ezra was like, here, listen to this album. And uh, that was Epitaph by Necrophagist. 
And that album completely changed the way I looked at uh, death metal and really made me want to write more technical stuff. Are there time signature challenges that you create for yourselves? I mean, is, is the time signature <laughs> an element that you uh, play around with? <laughs> it, I, they could talk I'll about just, the new song I wrote. Yeah, so w- the songs that I've written for the most part have stayed pretty simple in terms of uh, time signatures. There's one that stands out that has like 7-8 and 3-4 and 6-8 in it. Oh, yeah. But um, w- so of the six songs that are going to be on our upcoming EP, Matt wrote one of them. And it's just like <laughs> so rhythmically challenging. It's a great song. Yeah. At um, first, when I heard it, I was kind of skeptical because he actually sent it to us in like a terrible sounding MIDI programmed sounding thing, and I was like, uh, <laughs> "No, I can't play this." Uh, but once once we had it recorded with real instruments, I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." Yeah. And pretty exciting to listen to. And there's another one he wrote more recently that I have yet to learn more than the first fifth of because it's so... I feel like my riffs are challenging. My riffs are challenging from like a you-have-to-move-your-fingers-really-fast way. And mm-hmm. Matt's riffs are... like They add on to that in that you really have to be thinking really hard to play them. I appreciate yeah. it. And yeah, and uh, in that one song that's going to be on the album, I'll just say that uh, one of the riffs, I think it's like four measures of 5-4 and then one measure of 2-4. Yeah, (laughs) and that's the easiest part. Talk a little bit about your songwriting process. It sounds like, I mean, with the challenge of being physically together right now, um, how are you guys handling the creation of the new songs? I haven't been writing as much lately, I'm not sure why, because I've been listening to more music than ever since I haven't had anything else to do. Usually it happens when I think I'm going to write a really challenging riff, and then I just find a bunch of things that sound good with that, and usually they're also really challenging riffs. Luckily for us, five of the six songs on our EP were like fully composed and we had all learned them before the lockdown happened, and only the one Matt had written we were sort of like just getting started on. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like the entire thing was written during this, but it, the entire thing has been recorded during lockdown without us ever really being in the same room. So yeah. how are you? It sounds like, Ezra, you're doing most of the producing. Is that right? Yeah. How have you been bringing all those elements together? Is it just sharing files at at this point? Yeah, uh, I'll tell. We'll tell Owen what tempo I wrote a song at, and he'll record a drum track and he'll send it to me, and then I'll just I'll record my rhythm guitar tracks, and then I'll send them back to Owen and Matt, and they'll record their pieces and send them back to me. It's not the most efficient way, but it's sort of the best we can do right now. Oh, and do you have a, a kit uh, that you're recording on, or are you recording electronic drums at this point? <laughs> I have an electric drum kit, so mm-hmm. real drums. I mean, I'm playing the drums, but yep. yeah, even electric on the demo that yeah. I recorded to, it's also electric kit, but I do have my own 
real drum set, but I just don't have access to like good mics. Right, yeah, or a way to record it. That's difficult stuff. Yeah, just yeah. go straight from the, we, the brain of the electric kit straight into the mixer, and that's how I get uh, that great drum set. You've, you've talked about the, the demo. Um, got a couple of songs that are out in the world. Um, the first one is To the Grave, and I'm curious to know kind of where, what the backstory is on that song, Ezra. I don't know. I think there's the, um, the verse riff was the first riff I ever wrote where I was like, huh, Owen's going to have a really hard time playing this because the timing sounds like there's a note right, it's halfway between the second and the third beat and it's not where it sounds like it should be. And there are like notes that carry over between measures and it's just not very straightforward. Other than that, the chorus riff was sort of just a very basic, like, melodic death metal, harmonic minor thing. It just, I was just surprised that I hadn't heard anyone use that riff before. I kind of just came up with it out of nowhere and decided it sounded good. (laughs) Well, that that seems like it's a perfect intro uh, for us to to play the song. So we're going to give people a chance to listen. And this is To the Grave by Begravement.
That was To the Grave by B. Gregman. You are listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the podcast edition, and we've got the band on the phone with us uh, right now. Ezra, lyrically, that, that song is a lot about sort of retribution, getting what you deserve, you know, kind of, you know, sort of a, a theme. I'm curious to know a little bit about the lyrics uh, and the inspiration for them. I thought about it, and every like classic metal band I could think of had one song that, in my opinion, is like their definitive like mission statement, mm-hmm. and that one is sort of what I wanted it to be. And um, so I figured a very basic title like "To the Grave" would be perfect. It's easy to remember. It's catchy. Originally, I was toying around with calling it Followed to the Grave, but our drummer at the time said that that sounded too much like a Children of Bodom title, which, now mm-hmm. that I think about it, is true, and that's not what I want to be associated with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with To the Grave, but I kind of stuck with the idea that it was about, like, a person who had done a lot of not very good things and no one ever really... I'm, I'm not even sure what that song is about. I think no one ever found out that they... No one ever found out that they did those bad things, so the secret is going to the grave with them. Hmm. Where, uh, where do you look for uh, lyrical inspirations? I mean, what are some of the th- sources of... Uh, literature or other, you know, things that you that you search through to find your inspirations. Uh, I wish it was that. I wish it was that deep. Um, <laughs> usually, it's just whatever comes to my mind. There's um, very few times when I write a lyric that I'm like actually proud of. There's one song on our upcoming EP called "Destroying Angel." And that one is like, it's not, there aren't very many lyrics in it, but it's sort of like a very personal song for me. And it definitely has my most poetic lyrics. I'm not sure. I was probably drawing from Opeth a little bit. I've always really admired Michael Ockerfeld's lyrics. They're very uh, sort of unconventional, but also very beautiful, I think. But other than that, there isn't anything specific, although I kind of hope to change that in the future. <laughs> um, where where do you guys stand with the, the rest of the music? So you talked about five out of the six songs are pretty much in the can. Is the, is the last song, uh, the one that Matt wrote, is that pretty much ready to go on the record too? Just about, I think. Yeah, Matt's going to like re-record all his bass tracks or something. I think yeah. he's getting a, he's getting a new base, a base, or he's building a new base. Sorry, um, yeah. but <laughs> other than that, yes, I have two more songs I need to do vocals for, and then Owen and I are doing a harmonized solo on the song Matt wrote, and we haven't fully figured that out yet. But yes, we have I it still, mostly done. Solos. Still got to do three more guitar solos on my end. Mm-hmm. 
So it sounds like you're you're pretty close. Do you have a time frame for getting the record out into people's hands? Um, what I've what I've said and what the other two seem to have agreed on is we can release a single pretty much any time. We've we have like separate artwork for that, and we're prepared to do that as soon as I'm done mixing that song. Uh, but I really want to have like a legitimate CD release party. And I feel like in order to do that, we have to have some sort of reputation. We haven't played a single show yet, so I would want to play like two shows first and then be able to release the album with a concert on the same day we do that. So Mm -hmm. it could be a while, but... It's, Hopefully, uh, people will be willing to wait. It's it's been tricky, obviously, with uh, the lockdown. Trying, you know, you guys had a couple things that were on the books, and those have had to get canceled, unfortunately. Um, but you've also done some stuff on on Facebook, Ezra. You did a little live stream uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Talk a little bit about how that came together. Okay, so I saw that a lot of other local musicians were sort of just setting up. Uh, like one-person live streams where they would play through covers and their band's back catalogs. Um, What's unique about mine is that if you go back and watch the video, it is unlistenable. Uh, It is extremely distorted. It is extremely distorted, and the reason for that is I had gone um, temporarily deaf, basically. Uh, Both my ears were like, clogged. It's gross, but it's true. I couldn't hear almost anything. And so, in order for me to be able to do a live stream, like, in order for me, what I was perceiving was a normal volume for my guitar, I had to turn my amp way up. Oh. Um, And so, my microphone kind of overloaded. But, I would do one again now that I'm better. (laughs) <laughs> and you got oh yeah, um yeah. Also, like a couple months ago, um, I did a live stream on the Begraven Instagram and uh, played through the demo. Which is what interesting because Matt Matt wasn't on the demo, but he played through the whole thing on a live <laughs> yeah. stream on the Begraven Instagram, which was cool. What was uh, what was the reaction from the fans when you did that, Matt? Uh, hardly anyone was watching. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, hopefully uh, as you guys get a little bit more uh, recognition around, that'll, uh, that'll start to change. Um, oh, yeah. I think one of, the, one of the things that I think will help get some, some recognition is uh, the song that I really liked. I like both the songs you you've have out so far, but uh, to me, Death Obsessed is, uh, is a great song, and I'm anxious to give people a listen to it, but maybe give us a little preview of it before we drop that down. Like what, like how that one was written? Yeah. Okay, that one I do know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, it was like right after, I think I actually wrote, so Owen and I, rec- the, the day I showed him to the grave was also the day we recorded it for the demo. And the same is true for Death Obsessed. And I think they were both written before either of them were recorded. And, 
I had gotten like a bunch of Amazon gift cards for I think it was like right after Christmas and I was like I'm just going to buy a bunch of albums that I that people have been telling me I need to listen to or that I've seen have like good reviews because I use the metal archives a lot mm-hmm. and I got The Erosion of Sanity by Gorguts um, and the first song on that is called With Their Flesh He'll Create um, and the, the intro song. The intro riff, there's a bunch of them, and they're sort of like convoluted, extremely technical, and just like unbelievably heavy. That's sort of the only way I know how to describe them. And the riffs themselves were long. Like the passage that would repeat over and over was actually a lot longer than most of the other bands I listened to. So that was sort of the the verse riff from... Death Obsessed was sort of heavily inspired by that, and it was kind of going for a lengthier approach to a riff. After that, everything else was just trying to make Owen mad at me by playing really hard things. pretty <laughs> mad. I, uh, you know, that that intro riff is is something that to me is a classic thrash idea you know it, it really feels like it could be at home on any uh creator or even a metallica or a slayer record and and one of the things that that i'm interested in especially listening to this song is how you weave all those things together seamlessly you know how do you bring those death metal elements and the thrash into something that's not just a series of noodling on the key on the on the fretboard um, I would say it, I mean, it's all in the same key, so, like, theoretically it all works out, although a lot of that song is actually, like, chromatic and just uses, I think there's every single note, all 12 notes are in that song at some point. <laughs> that was not intentional, it's just the way it is. Death metal, aside from melodic death metal, doesn't sound that great when you, like, confine it to one key. It's sort of, you sort of run out of ideas really quickly. Um, there are... I am not sure. As far as I can tell, that was just like a magical one-month period for me in terms of songwriting. Three of the six songs that are on our EP were written within three weeks of each other. Wow. Yeah. I didn't well, know that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Johnny, I think it was Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols said uh, the the best notes are the ones that come in wads. And maybe that's applicable to songs, too. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> well, let's give people a chance to listen to it. This is Death Obsessed by Begravement. <laughs>
You're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles, and we are on the phone with the boys from Big Gravement. You got a chance to listen to the second song off of their demo, Death Obsessed, and uh, they've got they're working those songs and a few more into a an EP that should be coming out sometime in the near future. And um, guys, I'm I'm curious to know you know how you're organizing and structuring that record in terms of song order and so on. Do you have a plan for where the songs are going to fit? We have a rough idea. To the Grave will be the first one. Um, I'm not going to totally spoil it, but there's like a couple cool surprises we've worked out that are that will really separate the version on the EP from the version on the on the on the demo. Nothing huge in terms of like the structure of that song, but just ways we've built upon it. Um, we've sort of gone back and forth on what the closing song is, and then everything between it is sort of up in the air right now. Is there a flow that you're going to try to create from a musical perspective, or are you looking at it from a lyrical theme, or what's the um, what, what are some of the decisions you're going to make? This is just my thoughts, but I just want to set everything up to build up to a really grand finale. Yeah, I agree with that. EP is sort of divided in two. There's three somewhat simpler songs, which includes the two from the demo, and then uh, the song Destroying Angel, which I mentioned before. And I've noticed that those three songs tend to be the first half, and the other three tend to be the second half. As you, as you think about playing live and getting these songs out in front of people, do, do you imagine that the, a live set will have a similar order or similar flow to what the EP will eventually have? I, w- I would guess so. Um, a lot of the shows I've played, not with Begravement ever, unfortunately, but they limit sets to 25 minutes for mm-hmm. smaller bands, and our EP actually goes over that by quite a bit. So I would guess that one of the songs wouldn't make the set, but we might switch out which one that is. But yeah, the idea of the grand finale for the EP would definitely also apply to the concert. The one problem is (laughs) um, one of the songs that has the potential to be a grand finale is so technically challenging that having just played for 20 minutes, it would be almost impossible to have the energy to play through it Yeah. at full speed, live. Exactly. I think you guys know which one that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. That, uh, that seems like a, a particular challenge. I mean, you know, from just a pure fitness and, you know, um, manual dexterity perspective, as you write those songs, you've got to think about how and when and where you'd put them in a show, right? Yeah. I mean, we know, like, sonically, which ones work best where, for the most part. But Mm -hmm. in terms Uh of, like, physical difficulty, the ones that tend to work better towards the end of a set are also the ones that, like, take the biggest toll on us as musicians. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been doing... I haven't been as good at it lately, but for like a solid month, I was doing it. I was running through every single song every night before I went to bed, all the way through, oh, without yeah, stopping. Yeah. And that way, that, that way, I was just like, 
more... I don't know. It wasn't like picking up the guitar and playing an extremely difficult six-minute song once every week. Like, once you're doing it every night, it's quite a bit easier. You build up that muscle memory. We've been talking about wanting to do shows, but the fact that we don't have a drummer is, like, kind of, like, setting us, like, back a bit further than we want to. So, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to perform with, like, a three-piece if we're not able to find a drummer. I'll just hop on the drums and Ezra can do his guitar and all that. So, I mean, I'm the guy that does all the drums on the, on the recording. So, so Owen, is that just a way for you to get back at Ezra for writing all those ridiculous uh, lead guitar parts? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is, it is almost a way of getting back at me, I think, because he gets to drum, which he doesn't seem to have a, particular challenge doing and then I have to somehow come up with solos that are as good as his solos <laughs> uh, which is like almost impossible oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it sounds like you guys have a great uh, a great rapport you know it's uh, it's interesting to hear you wanting to sort of one up each other and throw to, throw down the gauntlet so to speak um, but yet you really have a ton of respect for each other's musicianship Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really a good competitive fun. Yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, hurt Owen's feelings when I wrote those challenging songs. <laughs> I just thought if we were playing, like, basic death metal stuff over and over, it might get boring. And I, I think that with most or all of the songs we have written, it's, writ- it's written in a way that, like, it will be technically very challenging but also fun for us to play. What do you feel like is the thing you want to deliver most uh, from a live show perspective? Every time a new person has joined the band, they always say, are we going to wear corpse paint? And several of them have seemed disappointed when I said no. Which is weird to me because we're a death metal band and I've, I don't know any death metal bands that wear corpse paint. But right. I had the idea, just like nothing too flashy, but just like regular zombie makeup. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be like covering ourselves in blood the way I've seen some bands do. But there might be a little bit. A little oh, bit. Yeah. Also, um... I think we should have a rule where uh, if anyone stops moshing for more than five seconds, they're kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've been to a number of Anthrax shows over the years, uh, <laughs> and, and I can tell you that they are not afraid to stop caught in a mosh if the pit is not operating correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be us, except like maybe ten people. <laughs> and the entirety of the the entirety of an underground dive bar in Northeast. <laughs> well, I you know I, I I say that all because I think you're well within your rights to order people to get in the pit. I mean, as a performer, that's like one of the coolest things that you can see happen while you're on stage. Like people are actively like willing to put themselves in extreme physical danger because of your music. It's really metal. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Moshing's fun, bro. 
<laughs> those are those are words to live by. Exactly. Yeah. And it helps because I hardly ever get knocked over. How good <laughs> I am. <laughs> you gotta watch out for the beer on the ground, man. They should have like yeah. slippery surface signs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> slippery when wet, right? Huh? Oh, that's my favorite album. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, uh, do you guys have anything on the schedule at this point, or is there? Uh, I mean, are you still working on trying to get the record down and then get a can maybe get a permanent drummer? Yeah, those are the priorities. Before the lockdown, we were practicing on a solid every other week schedule, and that started when Matt joined, and that was like more than 50% of the practices we've ever had have been in the five months since Matt joined, even though we've been around for two years. So I want to get to a point where like all three of our families feel comfortable with us practicing on a regular basis again, even if it isn't quite as often as it had been, just to like get that uh, habit back of like having something to look forward to and something to work for. Keep us consistent with the songs and just, I don't know, just keep us in check, you know. Just got to stay up, stay up on our toes, you know. After, um, how long was it that we were on break from, like, practicing with each other? How long was that? Uh, it was about, it was a little more than two months. Yeah, like, we still, we're just perfect with the songs. We ran through our set, honestly didn't even feel like we were on for two months honestly it just felt like just another rehearsal honestly because we went through those songs so clean and we just know them like the back of our hand now at this point yeah i felt like our practice after taking a break for two months was actually one of the most solid practices we've ever had if not the most yeah. so when you guys are get ready to hit the stage you're going to be ready to let it go oh yeah oh yeah definitely <laughs> Where, where do so. we send people to find uh, find more about you? Facebook is where I feel like the most of our like our most detailed information is on Facebook. We do have an Instagram that's just at Begravement, and then our music is on Bandcamp at Begravement.bandcamp.com, and we also have our demo on YouTube. One thing that I find like particularly fascinating is that we actually released our demo in August, but it was almost six months after that that people actually started paying attention to it. It was in January when I just like happened to share it to the right Facebook group, and we got a bunch more fans from that, and a bunch of people downloaded and bought our demo. And so, yeah, I mean, like... If it weren't for social media, no one would know who we were because we haven't played a single show because we've been waiting for a complete lineup. Well, I certainly hope that changes soon. I'm I'm anxious to see you guys play live, and I'm sure a lot of other people are uh, as well. So uh, we'll make sure to get the word out about uh, about you and and share the links to your your social media and so on on the on the show pages. And I want to thank you guys for coming in, uh, being on the show, Ezra. Owen and Matt, thanks very much for taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, yeah thank no you problem. for having us. Blast.